Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by Grove Collaborative. Join the 2 million households that trust Grove to deliver all natural home, beauty, and personal care products right to their doors. And head over to grove.co slash YHL to get a $30 Mrs. Myers and Grove cleaning set for free when you sign up. That's grove.co slash YHL. I'm John. And I'm Sherry. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. Today, we're sharing our top tips for working at home, including what has and hasn't worked for us after nearly a decade of trial and error, plus how our water curse continues with our new house in Florida. Pop quiz. Who has four thumbs, but only three houses. These guys. Yes, these podcasters. (laughs) That's better than these guys. Dang it, John. We have officially closed one of our houses. And actually, by the time you hear this, we should have a second one closed. I'm knocking on the wood, guys. Sorry, I have to. I'm so worried. It just feels like everything is up in the air. But yes, our first house that closed was the house we live in here. So we are officially renters in our own house now. We don't own it. It feels strange. kind of feels the same. When I deeply think about it, it feels strange. But it does actually day to day feel the same. It feels precisely the same. Although, like we've said, we can't change anything. And hopefully we can't damage anything while we're in here. We're doing fine on that. Even though everyone is home at all times, we are trying to be careful. Yes, we're putting it through the ringer, at least for its last few months of occupancy by us. (laughs) So yeah, we are grateful that things have stayed on track so far. I think we said last week that we were a little bit nervous because with all the closures and the question marks about what is going on in the world, we weren't sure what was going to happen to these sales. So it feels good to at least have have one officially under our belts and hopefully by the time this comes out we will have two yes the second one is the pink house by the way so that one is supposed to close between recording this and when you guys hear this if all goes well knock on all the wood and that just leaves out the duplex obviously because we kind of reset the clock on that one since we are now working through the second contract on it when the first one didn't work out so that one Still has some time to go, but I just feel good having something done. Right. I feel like two houses is significantly less than four houses, and we're moving towards that goal of one smaller house, which I was telling someone the other day that I've never like wanted that more. I think it's going to feel like such a relief, especially in all the uncertainty and kind of feeling sometimes like you're running in place because you don't know if you're going to get there or when you're going to get there or how you're going to get there. But it's nice to know that one house, and hopefully when you hear this too, are off of our plates. Well, and let's talk a little bit more about the Florida house because we've referenced here and there about some of the work that has to be done on it before we can move in. Like we've mentioned, it is not habitable, does not have a functioning bathroom. And actually the water issue itself, like actually having water in the house has been a challenging part to get this thing going. I think we have some sort of curse, I think, about water. John does. I'm convinced it's you. Oh, you think it's me? (laughs) Because John will be doing a small plumbing thing or like he was switching out the sink in our pink house bathroom and he popped off the baseboard to switch out the sink and it like shot water into the air. This was not my fault though. (laughs) This was just a nail from the baseboard that had punctured a pipe and I just discovered it. Right. I, I just think John goes near the water and some rebellion happens. (laughs) Someone told me you're a Scorpio and Scorpios have a lot of problems with water. And I mean, what can we rely on if not a horoscope? Um, You are a (laughs) Pisces, my friend. I know. I have no problems with water. I am one with the water. I don't know. I'm basically Moana in the the kingdom of (laughs) horoscopes. And I control the water and you Um, not so much. It's the kingdom of Montanui. (laughs) But the house in Florida, the issue with it was actually not too dissimilar from some of the major plumbing issues we've bumped into (laughs) in the past. It's an 
another major plumbing issue, guys. This one popped up out of nowhere like a gopher just like popped out of the hole, right? Before we closed, we learned from the selling agent who told our buyer's agent, hey, the sellers were wrong when they said it's on sewer. It's actually on septic. And the distinction there, if you're not familiar, is when your house is on the sewer system, it means all of your wastewater, we shall say, is connected to some like municipal sewer system. Think of like where the Ninja Turtles live. Kind of gross when you think about the Ninja Turtles with that slant, but that is what they're doing down there. They're with the wastewater. (laughs) That's what they're doing down there. Okay. Well, and then on a septic system, it's typically you have some sort of tank buried on your property that your wastewater goes into and there's enzymes and stuff that helps it break down. We've never had one, so I don't really fully understand it, but you do have to have them like emptied and cleaned out at some point. Right. They're a bit more maintenance than being connected to sewer in just like anecdotal stories that we've talked to our friends who've had both. They always prefer sewer. It's not a coincidence that we've never owned one on septic. It's because we actively avoid septic because it just feels like an unnecessary thing to have to maintain and balance and clean and all that stuff. Yeah. I don't think it would be an absolute deal breaker if we found the otherwise perfect house, but it's something that we try to avoid. And so we thought we had avoided a septic system in Florida because the listing had said it was on sewer. It was only after we had the contract in and we were going through the process of actually closing that it was revealed to us that, hey, it's actually on a septic system, not sewer. And then they couldn't find the septic system for a little while. And then when they found it, it was bone dry. Like you could lean into it and say echo and it would be like echo, echo, echo. (laughs) Echo, I smell bad. No, you wouldn't actually want to put your head in it. But it was bone dry and it had roots coming out of it. So it had been like severely breached, thus that any sort of liquid that it used to contain it no longer contained, not to get super bathroomy and gross again, but it was deemed inoperable. Like you cannot just start using this septic system again. It's donezo. And it's buried in a spot on our lot that is the least ideal. It's actually under a porch. And so the normal thing you do to abandon a bad septic tank, at least in that area, is that you get it crushed. They literally crush it and then they put dirt over it. And that's considered like adequately abandoned. Yeah. But they cannot crush this because they said it will compromise the integrity of the porch because the porch is basically standing on the septic. And if they crush it, the porch could collapse. I feel like we should explain the reason why we think the septic system was a mystery is because the seller didn't know either. They thought they were on sewer, which seems like a kind of major oversight to some degree, because if you have a septic system, you should know so that you can maintain it. Right. So you can clean it because they had owned the house for many, many years. And we now know definitely didn't service it because that would mean they knew that they had it. Yes. This was a vacation home for the previous owner. And what we're told is that they hadn't really used it for the past four years. And they actually hadn't even literally come to check it out in person for the last two. So Not the septic tank, the house entirely, which I'm saying is right. we like to buy houses that for some reason, this is also a theme in our life. We buy houses that are abandoned for many years. No right. one has looked at them. Strange things have occurred in them. Um, another example of water totally like complicating things for this poor house is that no one had checked on it for many years. And then someone popped in to see that everything was okay and everything was not okay because the water heater, you know, the huge, you know, gallons and gallons and gallons and gallons of water had eroded and the bottom had exploded and all that water had just like splashed out onto the hardwood floors and had rotted them and buckled them in certain places. So it's just sort of like water haunts this house in a way that we really want to save it from this curse. Because of Sherry, the Pisces. No, because of John, the Scorpio. Guys, look into astrology. I'm not an expert, but an expert did tell me that this is all John's fault. Oh, That's okay. all I'm 
I'm going to say. Sounds like an unsighted source. <laughs> so the, I was going to say happy ending to this, but it's not really happy ending. It's the... Silver lining? No, it's, I guess the solution to this is that the uh, seller was apologetic about the confusion and they offered to remedy it. But we actually negotiated with them to instead get a credit so that we could go through the process to remedy it because we were going to be the ones living there. We wanted to be able to have control over the process to make sure that it was done sort of to our satisfaction and that the new systems were put in place in the right way because we weren't going back on a new septic system. We were going to get connected to sewer so we could have the thing we wanted all along. We could have our beautiful Ninja Turtle pipe. Right, exactly. Connecting our wastewater to other areas and taking it away from our house instead of burying it in our yard. Yes. I should clarify, it sounds like we don't trust the other people to do it well. That's not it at all. It's that we're going to add a pool in John's like Mac Daddy shed slash guest house someday. And we didn't want them to put like the connection to sewer in an area that we then couldn't dig out and put the pool. So it was more of just we have the plan for how we're going to lay things out on this property instead of having them do things and us worrying it will go in a spot we would find not ideal later. We'd rather just plan it and do it now and the credit they gave us completely covers it it is thousands and thousands of dollars for this to happen but they are paying for it so it ended up being a great solution it is just something that we're managing from afar and it's not something that's necessarily straightforward it's not like you make one phone call and say hey put me on the sewer system it involves a plumber to like stub out pipes from our house it involves an electrician to hook up an electrical system that it's called a service meter we're learning a lot of how things are done down there there's something called a grinder pump that has to be put in by the county i've never owned a grinder pump but the funniest part about it to me beyond Beyond having to hire and manage all those people and have the county connect it, the paperwork you have to go through is quite extensive as well. Oh, yeah. To fill out the application to have yourself connected to sewer, there was like this long form that had to be notarized and witnessed by two people. It was almost as complicated as signing the actual like closing papers. Yeah, those needed a signature from a notary and two witnesses. And then we were laughing out loud that like to hook up to the sewer, we also needed a notary and two witnesses because you're like, wow. One of them is much more complex than the other, buying an entire property. But I guess hooking up to sewer is complex as well. You know what? It's important. Yeah. It's kind of important to be able to go to the bathroom in your house. And also, I think it could have been much worse. So I will just recognize the the nightmare would have been living there for about a year and realizing all the waste was going into an empty tank that had holes in it. And basically right. just like... In our yard. I feel like we're heading back into last episode territory, and I did not mean to go there. Well, actually, I have an update from last week's episode about my pee bags. So last week, we were talking about something called Travel Johns that I panic bought when I was still in the bargaining phase of thinking we could like drive to Florida as soon as school was canceled and work on the house, which we now realize was it terrible plan because we're just like sort of laying low and staying at home and not venturing out to do all this crazy stuff right now. And there are these like little pee bags, I guess, that you can Let's use. Let's not get into it again, You can please. use them in the car. And everyone was making fun of me. My friends were making fun of me. John was ashamed, although he's the one who brought it up, I will point out. I didn't think we were going to share it on the podcast. But now that we have, I got reports from not one, but two people about Travel Johns that I thought I would read out loud to John so he could hear. I will not reveal the identity of these people, by the way. They are safe. Please, let's shame them along with us. No, this person says, we keep travel johns on our pontoon. After having a small bladdered, fully dressed guest on board one afternoon two summers ago, I learned I needed an alternative to cutting the fun short and having to go back to the dock. The pack I bought went unused until this past fall when on a chilly October day, I was out 
out on the lake with my husband and I found myself in need of a travel john. And I gave it a try. I've got to say it was easy to use, not icky at all. A lifesaver. <laughs> she says a lifesaver in all caps. <laughs> Update us on the podcast if either of you end up using one. You'll see it's... And then she did thumbs up. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then I learned from person number two, who I will also not reveal their identity, that travel johns are used by fighter pilots. I dated a fighter pilot and I asked him how he pees on the plane and it's a bag you pee in that turns into gel. Ding, 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 travel john. So I can only say I'm I'm nearly as brilliant as a fighter pilot with my sure. discovery of these. And I liked that someone had a thumbs up experience. So we will keep you posted. No, we will not. <laughs> I was going to say, she said, I can't wait to hear your experience. You're not going to hear about it. Maybe Sherry will <laughs> privately DM you, but I feel like we need to retire this discussion. I mean, I feel like it's almost what the people are asking for at this point. <laughs> what have we become that we all need more of a follow-up it's on like, a travel job? This is Young House Love has a podcast special mini episode. About, about the travel job. Right. <laughs> An unboxing, if you will. No. Audio only. <laughs> okay. That's the classy way to do it. The discreet way. <laughs> Okay, well, now let's answer a listener question. And it's actually a question we've gotten from lots of people over the last couple of weeks because I think there are several people right now finding themselves in the position of having to work from home. And Sherry and I have worked from home together for almost a decade. It will be a decade this May. And Sherry's done it even longer than I have. Yeah, someone said, you may have already heard this request a million times, but I would love to have a podcast on how the two of you work from home. How do you guys stay sane? Seriously, yesterday was my first day and I realized that I had way romanticized it and I would love some expert tips and mistakes you've made along the way. Expert tips is funny because I don't feel like we have expertise on this because I feel like our systems have changed a lot over the years, and I still feel like we are constantly adapting or adjusting our systems to be most efficient given whatever work we're doing at the moment. And like even for us right now, having school canceled has kind of thrown us for a loop. And so I think we feel a little bit like we're in the same boat as the people asking, like, how do you figure this out? Because we're not in the same position we were earlier this month. And so I think we'll do our best to give some advice that has worked for us over the years, but with the understanding that everybody's job is different and therefore everybody's requirements out of what they need in a home office, whether it's a more permanent or just temporary space, like a temporary home office, all those things are going to be different. And also everybody's kind of, I guess, work style is different as well. So it's really hard, I feel like, to give general advice that's going to work for everyone. But I think we can definitely share some things that have worked for us and what have been sort of some key elements to a successful and productive work at home life for us. Well, and I thought that you guys might be encouraged by the two things I'm going to tell you right now, because I think they're like nice to say up front and for you guys to just sit with when you're having a moment where you're frustrated. First of all, everyone who works from home has been frustrated by inadequacy because your house is never going to be an office. You're never going to have all the things you have in an office. But the first thing I was going to tell you is that I definitely find that you can make an office almost anywhere. So if you're listening and you're like, I do not have a room to dedicate to this, please know that I worked from home full time. I established my work at home business from a desk in the corner of a living room in our first house. So maybe lowering the bar a little bit from like, I demand a full private space and just saying, I'm going to carve out what I can. Like generally, I feel like these days we're all just doing what we can. And so in the home office front, just do what you can and control what you can and let go of the like... It would be nice if there was an extra room in my house to devote to this. And the second thing I was going to say up front that is hopefully helpful is to know that even when I worked at home alone, like John was at work, not distracting me, no one was around, there weren't kids running around screaming, I still would put five things on my list and I would get to three of them. Then John came on full time. Yes, we had 
had a child, but there were two of us. I figured I could put five things on the list and maybe I'd get all five of them done. Still could only get three of them. And I read this study recently that says like humans overestimate what they can do in a day and underestimate what they can accomplish long-term, like over a year. And I think that is just so true. We are just very bad judges of what we can do. And if you're at home beating yourself up because you're like, I just want to do these five easy things. They should be fast. I should get all five of them done today. And then it doesn't happen. I want you to hear from me that that happens to me all the time. It just seems to be how things go. So give yourself a little bit of slack on that, especially these days when everything just feels harder to predict than ever. Yes, I think we should all give ourselves a little bit more grace these days on what we can get done, especially if you're making that transition from working in office to working at home. But let's start off with like the first tip that we have if you find yourself working from home is to designate some sort of workspace. Like Sherry was saying, it doesn't necessarily need to be an office or a whole room or even a whole desk. Like find some portion of a space that you can plant yourself as an office. I think this may sound obvious, but I think there's a distinction because a lot of people, I think even the question that you read Someone said they had this romanticized vision of working at home because at home, it means you can stay in your PJs, you can work on the couch under a blanket and have your dog with you and, you know, all the comforts of home. Like you paint this picture of what working from home will be like. And for some people, maybe it is, maybe that is how you get it done. For us, we have always found that we are more focused and productive and efficient when we do things that put us in an office mode and we actually have a spot to go in the house where we like kind of transition into like work John and Sherry versus home John and Sherry. Yes, and we were really bad at it. I'd say from the second house back, like first house and second house, we were not as good at defining places. I used to sit on the couch with my laptop in the second house. I remember that. I've not been on the couch in this house with my laptop ever doing work. I've not been in bed with my laptop in this house ever. We've lived here seven years. It just never has worked for me when I've realized my efficiency lies in mentally stepping into the office, even if I am in comfortable clothes, and be like, I'm in work mode. And that means a desk with a comfortable chair. And it means defining my space as like workspace and not letting it trickle over into the bed or onto the couch. Yes. And I think that is going to be hard for some people who didn't necessarily buy their house or design their house or lay out their furniture with the expectation that they would be doing this much work from home. Like, it's a weird thing to be suddenly thrown into having to make an office space if you don't already have one. So you may have to get creative. It may be the end of a kitchen table. You may take over your dining table. You may take over the vanity in your bedroom. I don't know what it is, but I would encourage you to find a spot that you can not only designate as the place you go to every day to work, but also as a place you don't have to clean up later. Like, I would say avoid working from like the kitchen island or the kitchen table if that is a space you find yourself having to like clear off or clean up when it's mealtime. Because I think those interruptions of not having the dedicated office space, even if it's a dedicated temporary office space just for this time, it's going to make you feel unsettled in your work environment if you cannot take somewhat permanent ownership of that spot in the house as your work spot. Right. Sherry, I think you also referenced the second point, which is doing enough to make that spot comfortable for you. I think a lot of us, and we fall in this trap also, where it's like, oh, I'm making a home office. I need to get all of the office things, like a pin board and a mouse pad. Don't I a, need an outbox and an inbox, even though I don't use those things? Yeah, Rolodex, like a conference call speaker. Like, you know, <laughs> all the ways your normal workspace and your actual office are set up and tricked out with all like the gadgets and technology and filing systems. Like, doesn't my phone need to have a line too? Right, exactly. It <laughs> Resist the urge to feel like you need all of those things 
to convert your home office into a productive space because we have found that there are actually just like very few elements that are necessary to make a space sufficient for plopping your butt down for a couple hours or eight hours or however long you're trying to get stuff done in that moment. And I do think it starts with the butt. And early on, we didn't value the comfortable chair as an important element to being productive. Well, here's why we're very cheap, guys. Very cheap. I've used like an ottoman as a seat without any back support. I do whatever we have on hand or is like $99 or less at Target. And it took me probably a decade of working at home until I realized like, no, I will spend $250 on the chair because if you think about it, like the way you do clothes that costs per wear, like it's just pennies a day to have a comfortable office chair. And I'm not saying go out and buy that for this temporary period, but I am saying if you have the choice between a hard wooden stool, but you also have like an end chair on your dining table that's upholstered, try to go with a more comfortable chair. Just steal it from the dining room just for now, even if it means you have to move the chair back and forth. Trust me on this. I used to sit on the floor of our apartment like literally my butt was on the floor and I'd cross my legs and I'd type away for hours. I had my laptop on a TV cabinet, like a low media stand, and I sat on the floor. And I did that because I didn't want to put my laptop on the dining table because like we just talked about, I didn't want to have to move it off of the dining table every time we ate. Because we were having lots of dinner parties when we were <laughs> like 24 and knew no one in Richmond. I know. So then I went to like, no, I cannot do this anymore. I'm like ruining my hips. And I sat at one side of the table. And then when we ate dinners, we sat at the other other side of the table and my laptop just kind of lived in that spot and it was just fine. That probably sounds like a lot of emphasis on the chair, but we do feel like it's very important. (laughs) But I think there are other comfortable aspects of an office that will set you up for success and make it easy for you to sit down without having to get up and interrupt yourself. So like think about the things you can put in this space, no matter how small it is, that will keep you seated there. Like, do you need a coaster and your water or your tea? Do you need a plug to charge your phone? Like, you're not looking to do, like, family frame photos and those, like, clinky silver balls that go back and forth. (laughs) You don't need a globe with, like, a fancy ballpoint pen in it. My mom had those on her desk as an attorney. Do you not get that reference? No. Does anyone listening get that reference? They were like these little globes made out of gold, and you could spin the globe. And on the other side, there was like a ballpoint pen sticking up. Like an inkwell. Kind. Well, it was just a regular pen, but it looked like it was like suspended in the air next to the globe. Was your mom a lawyer in colonial times? (laughs) She was not. But she did have a whole lot of wood furniture, like a a bureau and a chest of drawers. Okay. Our point is: start with the most necessary things, and don't be quick to expand to all the things that make it feel like an office. Just get the things that are going to allow you to be productive in that spot. I have found if I don't have chapstick, I get up and walk around and then I get distracted. So in every office I establish, my top drawer of my desk has a chapstick in it. Sounds dumb. Keeps my butt in the chair. Helps me be more efficient. I also always have a notebook and a pen because I just need that. And if I'm on a call and I have to jot something down, I don't want to be rifling through the drawers. So I keep that on the surface of my desk. Yeah. Figure out what you're always getting up to get from like the junk drawer in the kitchen and put it in your office. It will make you more efficient because to me, it's all about minimizing the times I get up because then I'm like, oh, I'm yeah. hungry. Maybe I'll have a snack. Oh, someone texted me. Let me look what they said. You can put snacks at your desk. There's no <laughs> shame in that. No, but as much as having like distinct spaces that make you feel productive are important, I think we found that also using distinct times for work is also helpful. Like 
there are all the temptations when you're home for your like work and productivity time to bleed together with your like house and leisure time. And yes, those are some of the great things about working from home is that you do have more flexibility to arrange those tasks as you need. Like if you need to start the laundry between conference calls, like that's a nice perk. But at the same time, we found that it really cuts into our efficiency and our feelings of being productive if we're like, you know, trying to get through emails while simultaneously making breakfast for the kids or like trying to read a work document while also waiting to check math homework. Like when you try to blend those things too much, I think it really cuts in to that feeling of having a productive work day. Right. You're stretching yourself in too many directions, especially with the kids at home right now. So more than ever, we are dedicated to this concept of like, if I'm going to work for an hour and John's going to be doing worksheets with the kids in the kitchen, and then we're all going to go for a family walk over, you know, our lunch break, quote unquote. And then if the kids are going to do some quiet reading and we're going to take a call in the next room and have them, you know, be expected to be quiet, which sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. Like when you're recording a podcast, hopefully you don't hear them. (laughs) We are just still trying to figure things out with having the little coworkers around. Yeah. We have figured out how to work with a dog. John always likes to work with the dog on his lap. And we have said that's one of the perks of working from yes. home. You would miss that in an office now. I would. But it's not to say that's easy to delineate those times because I think that's probably the toughest thing that we've struggled with over the years of working from home is when do you carve out those work times and how do you keep them separated from those other life tasks around you? And like I, for instance, have found that uh, I'm an early riser in the family. And so sometimes I will naturally wake up. Sometimes I set an alarm, but usually it's just like if I naturally wake up early ahead of everyone else, I go downstairs and I knock out like an hour of quiet work when I can be focused and not be interrupted. And that's a great way for me to like start my day off on the right foot and feel like if nothing else, I've gotten that hour done of like solid work time. Right. I think everyone has a different productivity time and you'll learn that about yourself. Give yourself a few weeks at home to readjust and you will see very clearly when you do your best work. Mine seems to be super rare. At around two or three in the afternoon, I hit my peak and everyone I talk to is like, oh, that's when I'm coming down from lunch sugar and I'm like tired and want to nap, but I'm like, dude, I'll write that whole thing. You know, some big project I have to write, I can write from two to three. And if I started it at 10 in the morning, it will take me till two. Like I am not as efficient. So just learn from yourself. And again, going back to that tip in the beginning about giving yourself grace and not being upset at yourself if you don't accomplish all the goals, because I think right now nobody is really accomplishing all the goals. And the last thing we were going to talk about was working when you also have a spouse or a partner or a roommate who is also trying to work from home suddenly, because most of us are apt to think our work and the things we need to get done are the most important thing in the household. But I would guess that your spouse probably thinks their things are the most important thing to get done in the household. And somehow you have to come to some agreement and compromise about how both people are going to be able to get the stuff done that they need to get done. Right. What John and I do is every morning we have sort of a morning meeting where we outline like what we each have to do. And we do a ton of work independent of each other. So I might say to John, listen, from two to three, I have a phone call. It needs to be extra quiet. That's what I would say before the kids were home, I'd tell him like, I'm taking that call from two to three. So I don't want like music in the background or whatever. Now it's an added element of like, I don't want music in the background. And by the way, can you have the kids doing some activity or can you watch them to make sure they're not running screaming by as I'm talking to someone important? It's also setting out like, I want to work with you on this thing from noon to one or, you know, like maybe as a household, you want to say, 
we need to go to the grocery store today. Is there a time between all the things you want to do that you think is the best time to go to the grocery store? Or do you want me to go to the grocery store? This sounds oversimplified, but it really is a ton of communication. It's communication when you wake up about what you expect for the day. It's communication during the day about what you need. The other day, I was trying to proofread something really important with really big words, and John was playing songs, and I was singing the songs. I was also using a shredder. (laughs) And he was using the shredder. And I was like, can we just, like, I'm so sorry. Can you listen with your AirPods and not shred right now? Was it said that politely? (laughs) I was like, I'm singing instead of reading. I was like, were those the words that were used? I don't remember (laughs) it that way. And I was like, you're the reason I'm singing because you turned the music on. I think it was, John, I can't do it like this. That's my recollection, at least. But we are comfortable enough with each other now from doing this many years together. That that we we can yell at one another. (laughs) We just tell each other what we need. So whether you use nice words or extremely direct and to the point Italian language like I use, which Uh, is turn off the music and please, for the love of God, stop shredding. So I just, I quietly tore papers (laughs) in the corner by hand. Like a sad kitten. But we have literally had arguments where I'd be like, can you stop gulping that so loud? Like She's getting a lot out right now, guys. No, I just get it out right away. That's the thing about us Italians, guys. We blow our top often and then we're over it. Yeah, until we bring it up on a podcast. <laughs> I think your point is not lost on me, though. You clearly communicated that communication is helpful upfront at some point. We do it in the morning. It's not like an official meeting. There's not like an agenda and we sit down at the table or whatever. But like we do try to check in early in the day so that we're both on the same page about what the expectations are for the day. You often aren't going to be able to get everything, but at least knowing upfront, it's a good place to start off each day so that you can be on the best path possible. Yeah, just generally what I've learned, and you can read this in tons of business books, but there's this concept called eat the frog, which is like do the most important thing first, even if it's the hardest, because then if the rest of the day is a bust, at least you did the thing you needed to do. So that's just like general advice that I have found. And especially if you've had that morning meeting with a spouse and you say, my priority today is this, and they say, well, my priority today is this, you can come together and figure out how you can both accomplish your highest goals. And I'll put a quick summary of this with some pictures in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast. Along with it will a- be pictures of me yelling at John for tapping, oh. pictures of me yelling at John for loud music, pictures of me gritting my teeth while he shreds things. I was going to say maybe a picture and a link to our chairs, for instance. <laughs> our desk know. chairs are amazing. I don't know if they're still for sale, but they're very comfortable. Okay, we'll see. I don't think they're in this color still, but maybe the shape is still available. Very comfortable on the butt. Yes. Uh, but I'm actually digging another thing that has been an important aspect to our home office and has also proved to be very helpful personally and in these times where we find ourselves doing schoolwork with our children a lot. So I will share what that is. But first, we have to take a quick break. I love spring for lots of reasons, mostly because it puts me one step closer to a hot, hot summer. But also things are getting greener. Spring cleaning season is upon us. Well, and speaking of cleaning and getting greener, this week's sponsor, Grove Collaborative, wants to help you get your home ready for spring. Not only can you order all of your favorite all-natural home, beauty, and personal care products from their online marketplace, but if you go to grove.co slash YHL, they'll also throw in a free five-piece Mrs. Myers and Grove cleaning set. So basically 30 bucks worth of cleaning supplies for free. Yes, and this season, they have new scents like mint and rose, which I think is basically the smell version of some of our favorite colors. They also have a fresh cut grass, which I used to have a candle in college that was fresh cut grass, and I still think of it today. You were bringing the romance in those dorms, huh? Lawn mowing is sexy. (laughs) Well, if you're all set on the cleaning department, Grove also has tons of other products that are good for your family and the planet from brands like Burt's Bees, Dr. Bronner's, and Method. So yeah, make the switch to natural products easier by checking out Grove Collaborative, and don't forget to get that free 
Mrs. Myers and Grove cleaning set with your first order. Just go to grove.co, not .com, slash YHL. So I've dug our printer on this podcast before, and that's sort of part of what I'm digging because a lot of people have been asking us lately because they find themselves having to print either for their work or print for their kids' school at home a lot more than they ever expected to. And so I'm sort of redigging the printer, but also an element of the printer that I've never talked about before. So never in our lives have we liked a printer. We've always been kind of ambivalent about a printer, but this printer we have loved. Yes, I'll link it in the show notes. It's an HP all-in-one 5055, I think. But just go to younghouselove.com slash podcast and click the link because I can never remember that number. I think we have to link to many of them because they're selling out now because everyone is at home and needs printers. And so we'll link it at like Target and Amazon and Best Buy and all the places because at any given time, it's out of stock in a few of those these days. Will do. But we love the printer. We love the HP Instant an ink like ink subscription we talked about before but the thing i did not talk about is that it also comes with an hp app for your phone which i didn't think i was going to need like i was like i don't want this extra app on my phone but it has a scanning feature on it which is remarkable so this printer itself has a scanner like the typical flatbed thing which we've used in the past which has been fine but this app also allows you to scan from the phone using the phone's camera. You literally put a piece of paper on the ground. You hold the phone up. It cuts out the edges. It makes it straight. It makes it white. It crops it perfectly. You don't have to edit it at all. It just, in the snap of a finger, does all of that. And if you send it to someone, like you attached it to an email, there is no way they would know that you put some piece of paper on the floor and yeah. took a picture of it. It looks like a scanned item. And it is so much faster. Like if you're going through paperwork, and you're trying to be paperless, this scanning app in 10 clicks would give you 10 scanned items that might have taken 10 times the time if you had to scan them with your scanner. And it's all just built into the app. Like if you have a phone, you can scan from it and then you can, you know, email it directly from your phone or like airdrop at your computer or whatever. You can do it as a PDF, as a JPEG. I've used it so much lately when we've been doing all this contract stuff for our house sales, like, you know, scanning signed pages and things. And like maybe my expectation was just really low going into this thing, but I am constantly telling people about it and like showing people how it works. Like maybe we'll do a video on Insta Stories or something so you can see how it like magically transforms a printed piece of paper into a scan. It is very compelling when you see it with your eyeballs. Maybe we'll put the video in the show notes or we'll do it on Insta Stories. Keep an eye on both of those places. But definitely in the show notes, we'll link to the printer. We'll link to the Instant Ink program, which gives us free ink every month. It just delivers ink like Warby Parker glasses come in the mail. Now they're delivering ink in the mail. No, that's not an (laughs) analogy. Your Warby Parker glasses don't come for free regularly. I know, and the ink is free. I just mean so many people are like, is Instant Ink worth it? I'm like, if by worth it, you mean free and it comes to your house and you never run out. Yes, it's, it's an amazing service. It's free as long as you are printing fewer than 15 pages a month. a month. And we are printing far more than that lately, especially with all the like worksheets and schoolwork stuff that we're trying to keep up with. But it's still only like, I think, four bucks a month for 50 pages or something like that. It's, it's very cheap. I have auto refill um, vitamins that I find amazing because I never run out of vitamins. And I love that the ink does the same thing. If everything in my life could be auto refill, I'd be into it. Like your Warby Parker glasses. I, that was a bad example. Very bad example. Let it go, John. I won't. Ha <laughs> ha. 
<laughs> okay, and what I'm digging this week is a show that's sweeping the nation, and it's called Tiger King, and it's just this insane story that the more you watch it, I think it's maybe seven episodes in the yeah. whole series, the more you watch it, the more you're like, is this for real? And there are like amazingly hilarious music videos in it that are probably John's favorite part. Yes, the music videos. I feel like I should probably put one in the show notes, although it's not going to make any sense out of context. So the general story of the documentary is that it's about these people who are feuding over their various big cat zoos or sanctuaries, like people who own tigers and lions and snow leopards and, you know, all these exotic animals. And like, these people are characters. I mean, that's really what is so compelling about the story is that you could not make up more colorful characters They're than the like ones. They're like so eccentric. One guy is called Joe Exotic. Exotic is not his real last name. Go Surprise. figure. Surprise. <laughs> but basically, there is a woman who's mad at Joe Exotic, but then she has this crazy skeleton in her closet. Just wait for that reveal. I think it's at the end of episode two. And then layered into this, there's like obviously the animal rights issues and should these big cats be kept as like tourist attractions. So it definitely is a documentary. But when you're watching it, you sometimes think it's fiction because it's such crazy things that happen. Like having to do with murder for hire, a much decades earlier strange disappearance that has occurred. Yeah. There are moments that are very sad. There are moments that are very poignant. And there are moments that are just insane where you're on the couch saying like, just when I thought this couldn't get any weirder, that when it happened. It's almost like a real life best in show. Like if you've seen those spoof documentaries where they just make up these just like outrageous characters, this is that, but it's real life. Yes, there's one character who starts every um, Facebook video with good morning, cats and kittens. No, it's, hey, all you cool cats and kittens. This is Carol from Big Cat Rescue. Yeah. <laughs> and the outfits, guys, they're wild. Thanks for listening to Young House Love Has a Podcast. And thanks for the messages of encouragement for us to keep recording our podcast in these weird times. It still feels kind of trivial at times, but I can't tell you how much it's helped the two of us to have something to stay focused on when sometimes it seems like everything else is up in the air. We're just talking through our problems to you guys. And of course, you know we love hearing what you do while you listen. Like Liz on Instagram who said she's been listening while sewing face masks to donate to her local hospital. Yeah, and if you want to do the same, she said she got the pattern from another Instagrammer called at craft passion. So if you know your way around a sewing machine, consider checking it out. And in this week's show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast, we'll put the trailer for that crazy Netflix show called Tiger King, as well as some links to a few comfy office chairs to consider. And my video of the miraculous scanning app. It's quite a wonder. Later. Bye. I'm basically Moana in the, the kingdom of horoscopes. <laughs> Guys, it's time for my rock impression. What can I say except... You're welcome. I can't believe this is our second round of Disney impressions. I mean, I could branch out. I could do a little Celine Dion. Two weeks in a row. No, you don't need to. (laughs) I'll do it in the outro. Nope. John will edit it out of the outro. I will.